Mary had a little man, 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 man. We believe that all men are created equal. The magnificent mosaic that is America. From radio beacon to radio beacon. On May 24, 2022, at 11.33 a.m., an active shooter wearing body armor and equipped with a high-power AR-15 rifle entered Robb Elementary School and began shooting into classrooms 111 and 112, which shared a connecting door. Within minutes, 11 law enforcement officers from the Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District and the Uvalde Police Department arrived inside the school. Hearing continued gunfire, five officers immediately advanced toward classrooms 111 and 112. Within seconds, shots were fired from inside the classroom. Shrapnel hit two officers and all responders retreated to cover. A single officer then made additional attempts to approach the classrooms, but after 11.40 a.m., no more attempts to enter the rooms were made until 12.48 p.m., more than an hour later. As a consequence of failed leadership, training, and policies, injured and scared students and teachers remain trapped with the subject in the classrooms waiting to be rescued. Survivors later shared that they heard officers gathered outside the classrooms while they waited. The victims trapped in classroom 111 and 112 were waiting to be rescued at 11.44 a.m., approximately 10 minutes after officers first arrived, when the subject fired another shot inside the classrooms. They were still waiting at 11.56 a.m., when an officer on the scene told law enforcement leaders that his wife, a teacher, was inside room 111 and 112 and had been shot. They were still waiting as broadcasts went out on officer radios that a student trapped inside rooms 111 and had called 911 at 12.10 p.m. to say that the officer was in, a, that the student was in a room full of victims that student stayed on the phone with 9-11, for 16 minutes. The victims were still waiting to be rescued when the subject fired four more shots inside the classrooms at 12.21 p.m., 49 minutes after officers arrived on the scene. And they were still waiting for another 27 minutes after that until finally officers entered the classroom and killed the subject. I mean, we all, we all knew uh, for a very long time that the story that we were getting from uh, Chief Arredondo, do you remember these names? From uh, Greg Abbott, the governor, uh, from uh, everybody that was involved with the Department of Public Safety in Texas, that they were all full of crap. Everybody understood that. You had a few uh, state representatives who made the rounds on TV consistently. You had uh, Shimon Porkipes, who was a CNN uh, uh, reporter on that story, refusing to leave Uvalde for months, for freaking months, because he knew he was being lied to in his face, with the result being 19, 19 dead elementary school students and two teachers 
dead. And some of the survivors, uh, like one of the teachers uh, who uh, was was uh, interviewed, uh, Mr. Reyes, it was in his classroom in Uvalde uh, where this all happened. He said he felt abandoned. He felt he could hear them outside. He could hear the Uvalde uh, Police Department outside the doors doing nothing, do nothing. And shots were being fired from inside the classroom. And they lied to your face and they told you this. This is what the, the lie was. They said that they had a barricaded subject. That's what they said. They, they didn't believe they had an active shooter, although they could actively hear a shooter shooting. They lied and they said, oh, we didn't know we had an active shooter because of the active shooter protocol, as we've all learned over the decades of school shootings, holy crap, what a country, uh, that the protocol is to go in, go in and take out the shooter because you don't have time to do anything else. A barricaded person is a different thing, okay? That's when you begin negotiation. And remember, this is what they were saying. We were negotiating with him. We were ne- but they heard gunshots, and they knew that he was in a classroom with 33 little kids. 33 little kids. And then one of the little kids called 911 and said she was inside the room with dead people all over the floor, and they still didn't go in. And Abbott lied his freaking face off, okay? He put a very sunny uh, spin. He said, oh, well, you know, the guy was mental, right? Of course, it was all mentally, uh, you know, it was the mental illness of the shooter and that he had posted something on Facebook that he was going to go and do this. Meanwhile, nobody uh, was flagged. Nobody knew. And yet when he's inside a classroom and you can hear the gunshots and you got a kid on the phone saying, I'm inside the classroom, there are dead people all around me, my teacher is dead, my friends are dead, please come and get me. For 16 minutes she's telling this, to, they still uh, forget to tell you that. They just decide that they're not going to tell you that. It's really, we had to wait two years, two years we had to wait. We knew, everybody knew, Abbott knew. Arredondo knew. Everybody there knew. All the parents knew. Okay? Some of the kids knew. Mr. Reyes knew. People knew. But now we have the official DOJ report. Two years later, 575 pages to tell us what we knew. That Greg Abbott is a freaking lying sack of dung who will say and do anything, including stepping over dead children in order to tell a tall tale about his lackadaisical uh, attitude about school safety, about gun violence, about shooters. It's always for these people who want everyone to be armed to the teeth, no matter what the consequences are. You know, dead children, as you know, America, are the price you pay for freedom. Asshats. People who say that, disgusting. Did you feel abandoned in that moment by police, by the people who are supposed to protect you? Absolutely. After everything, I get more angry because you have a bulletproof vest. I had nothing. I had nothing. You're supposed to protect and serve. There is no excuse 
for their actions. And I will never forget them. I will never forget them. How many students were in your classroom when the shooter came in? 11 students. So the shooter killed every single student in your classroom. Yes, ma'am. That's when I got you thinking, you know, this family lost one. This family lost one. I lost 11 that day. And I just went to my parents and I'm sorry. I tried my best. Of what I was told to do. Please don't be angry with me. The survivor's guilt alone, and I mean, the guy is laying under a desk trying to protect these 11 kids that are in his classroom, and he can't. But the people outside with the long guns and the bullet, uh, the bulletproof shields, the people outside, they won't go in because they're cowards. They were cowards, and they just didn't care. They didn't care. They didn't care about the children. They didn't care about the teachers. They didn't care about the wife of a police officer who was shot. They didn't care about anything except their own behinds. That's all they cared about. This is the Amer- This is Trump's America, okay? This is what it looks like. Women dying in parking lots from bleeding out from things that, uh, you know, are very preventable. And dead kids all over the place. All things Randy at randyrhodes.com. Go, go for long. Speaking truth to power, The Randy Rhodes Show. There were no less than eight law enforcement agencies present in the hallway leading up to the breach of the door at Robb Elementary School. Not one, not two, eight different law enforcement agencies. Disgusting. Uh, They consisted of DPS, Texas Rangers, U.S. Marshals, DHS, U.S. Border Patrol, Constables, Uvalde Police Department, UCISD Police Department, and the District Attorney's own investigator were all there in the hall. (laughs) Very proud of himself. That's the mayor of Uvalde, uh, who was very proud of himself. He was uh, very satisfied with the result of, uh, you know, the the law enforcement effort to save 33, uh, you know, children who were being held hostage by a gunman i mean he's very uh they're very they're, they were all pleased very very pleased with uh, their own performance <clears throat> you know greg abbott uh he actually said uh you know hey uh this was uh this was a crazy kid you know is what it is and- the shooter was uh, salvador romas uh an 18 year old male who resided in uvalde uh, it's believed that he abandoned his vehicle and entered into uh, the Robb Elementary School in New Valley with, with a handgun, and he may have also had a rifle, but that is not yet confirmed according to my most recent report. Uh, he shot and killed horrifically, incomprehensibly, uh, 14 students uh, and killed a teacher. Uh, Mr. Uh, Romus, the shooter, uh, he, is, he, uh, he himself uh, is deceased. Hmm. Uh, and is believed that responding officers killed him. Uh, an hour and 17 minutes after the shooting started. He, he left that out, see. 
is is what it is. And they all lied. Every every single one of them lied. I, I'll never forget that press conference, and people were screaming and yelling at each other because people understood that nothing, nothing was uh, by the book. That nothing that that was done in response to this shooter in this uh, elementary school uh, was by the book. None of it. That everybody was lying from the beginning that people lied about the triage situation with the kids. You know, a lot of the kids would have been saved if somebody had gone into that classroom. That's the sick thing, okay? A lot of these kids just bled out. And then now we're finding out in, in these 575 pages that the Department of Justice has been working on uh, compiling for the families, basically, in Uvalde, that the kids who weren't injured were erroneously placed in ambulances and ambulanced away, whereas kids who were bleeding were put on buses that didn't have any medical equipment or medical personnel on them. Uh, the whole thing was just so, so Keystone Cops, just so uh, completely devoid of, of logic and reason and, and common sense in the face of little kids, little kids uh, being shot up in front of your freaking face while you stand outside the door of the room where it's happening. And you know what else was really disgusting? I'm going to jog your memory now. Do you remember that they started uh, at the beginning of this Uvalde thing? They said it was a, it was the fault of a teacher. Remember? It was her fault because, and we had these long discussions on this show. People were calling me up saying, you know, how we design schools to have doors that automatically lock and blow. Oh, my God. It was insane. But they blamed it on a teacher. They said she had propped a door open. And she was in violation of school shooter protocol, that she had repeatedly done this too, that she constantly was propping open the door so that air could flow through the hallway in this, uh, you know, uh, West Texas school, right? And that was all her fault because that's how the gunman gained access to the school. And then we were, that's a lie, okay? That, that, but the amount of, uh, of guilt and, and shame and, and the amount of uh, attacks that this woman had to withstand, a school teacher who went through this school shooting on the inside of the school, that she endured because people chose to lie about what she did or didn't do that day, uh, the amount of, of harassment and threats that she had to deal with because they lied to pin this on somebody besides for uh, uh, Chief Arredondo and uh, the Department of Public Safety in Texas, the Texas Rangers. I mean, it, it, it was so sad and so sick what they did to her. To her, they made her the responsible party for their irresponsible behavior. And then we were designing schools, remember? Everybody was calling me up, go, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to design schools that, you know, the do doors automatically lock. And the other lie that we were treated to was the one Arredondo told us, where he said that he was trying desperately to get into the classroom where the shooter was, but he couldn't get into the classroom where the shooter was. Why, everybody? Why? Do you remember? Remember? Because the door was locked, and he didn't have a master key, and so he had to go and find uh, the janitor, and the janitor had a ring of keys and couldn't figure out which one was the key to classroom 111 and which one was the key. And in the end, you know what we learned? The door was unlocked. Yeah, both doors, 111 and 112, unlocked. They lied so hard. And I just remember 
Anthony Barksdale, okay, just uh, just somebody who was called to you know be an analyst on this uh, particular issue back back two years ago, and when it all became so apparent that Abbott's uh, Department of Public Safety, that Uvalde, the 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 mayor, the police chief, the school uh, uh, Uvalde police officers, everybody. Everybody was covering for everybody. And it was all a lie. The whole thing was a lie. And they asked him, you know, what? First of all, Arredondo, Shimon Porcupine, I remember he wouldn't leave Uvalde. He was, he was just trying so hard to get answers because he saw dead kids. He, he actually saw uh, what was going on there. He saw, you know, kids that were bleeding being put on buses. He couldn't explain this. So he stayed behind. And he tried to get Arredondo. It was the day of the funeral. One of, you know, they were burying uh, people there for, for weeks. And he went to Arredondo and he said, you know, do you have any comment on your failure to, to do anything meaningful that day? So I want to talk to you about your decision and what the DPS Are you director said. How's it going? Good, I'm Pete. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I want to talk to you yeah. about... I'm Pete Arredondo. But, but just to let y'all know, and I just spoke with... Uh, I know you did, but... Oh, you're, you're, not, you're not blocking me, are you? No, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Turn this way. No, just so y'all know. Turn this way. As you all know, obviously, we're not going to release anything. We have we have people in our community being buried, so, so we're going to be respectful. I, I just want your reaction we're gonna, we're gonna, to we're gonna be, the director gonna, McGraw gonna, saying gonna, that you were responsible for the decision right. we're to gonna go gonna into be, that room. How do you explain yourself be, to the We're going to be respectful to the family. I understand and, that, and, but you have an opportunity point, oh, and we're, to explain and we're gonna, yourself to the parents. And just so you know, we're going we're gonna to do that eventually, obviously. When? And whenever this is done, and let the families quit grieving, then we'll do that, obviously. And just so... We have, just so everybody and just so everybody just so everybody feels. knows we've been in contact with DPS every day just so you all know they say every not, day. they say that you're not cooperating I've, I've been on the phone with them every day just they so say you're not cooperating so just, just two just, seconds just, just, just so you know we've been talking to them every day what, what, I, is, I your, what is your reaction you have you. a good day what is your reaction sir Oh, this you have a good day thing. I, he, he, out of respect for the families that he disrespected by letting their children die on his watch, he told everybody to stand back. Oh, I'll be talking soon. Call in, connect. To speak to Randy, call 561 270 571-270-3844. 571-270-3844. As I told families and survivors last night, the department's review concluded that a series of major failures, failures in leadership, in tactics, in communications, in training, and in preparedness, were made by law enforcement lawyers and others responding to the mass shooting at Robb Elementary. As a result, 33 students and three of their teachers, many of whom have been shot, were trapped in a room with an active shooter for over an hour God. as law enforcement officials remained outside. <gasps> I also told the families and survivors how deeply sorry I am for the losses they suffered that day and for the losses they have suffered every day since. I told them that the priority for the Justice Department in preparing this report has been to honor the memories of those who were taken from them. And I told the families gathered last night what I hope is clear among the hundreds of pages and thousands of details in this report. Their loved ones deserve better. You think? 
This country uh, doesn't guarantee you freedom from being shot in an elementary school anymore, okay? This is, this is the gun culture, okay? You, you want a culture war? You want a culture war, but every time we actually have a discussion about what is wrong and what is ugly and what is damaging and what is, uh, you know, uh, deadly in our culture, you, some people say it's books written by Pulitzer Prize winning authors. I got news for you. Nobody is going to die because they read a book, okay? But people who have this love of long guns, this love of high-capacity magazines, you, you, know, you know this gun man, you, you know what, how he got the gun? Legally, of course, legally. He bought two guns for himself for his birthday present on his 18th birthday. He couldn't wait to get guns. And there is nothing that stops a person from buying guns in Texas on their 18th birthday. Oh, my God. I, I just, for the life of me, everybody wants to, like, point to this or that. And, you know, we need to redesign the schools. And it was the teacher's fault. She left the door open in the back, which she did not do. Oh, it was this one's fault. That one's fault. Oh, he forgot his radio. Oh, it's okay. And you're blah, blah, blah. Oh, we had eight different law enforcement agencies. They all responded. There was nothing could be done. Don't you understand? Nothing that could be done. I mean, uh, wh why do you lie to yourself so that you could have this fetish? Why do you do that? We all knew where this was going after Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook, okay? Six-year-olds, dead. And Alex Jones, all these many years later, had to be brought to the bar of civil justice, right? What, 20 years later? 10 years, like 15, it was 2012. That's how long it takes to, to, because he decided that it was a false flag operation designed by people like me, people like me who want to limit the number of guns that go into the hands of unstable people. And so it was a false flag operation. Remember that? False flag. It didn't really happen. Those were crisis actors. And it was designed to make us think that, uh, you know, uh, these sixth graders, uh, th these six-year-olds were, were killed. They really weren't. It was designed to make you think that that happened so that you would then get active on the front of guns. Well, even that when it was real and everybody knew it was real and those kids are really dead. They still didn't want to do anything about guns. He didn't even have to put himself in harm's way. He didn't even have to defame the Sandy Hook families. He didn't in order to dissuade everybody from doing anything on the issue of guns because we never did. We never did. And here you have it all over again. And people did the same damn thing. This is why it, it sticks in my craw the way that it does. People said the same crap. 12 years later, 11 years later, whatever it is, they said the same damn douchey crap. It was the teacher's fault. She left the door open. Well, how did you want him to go into the school when he didn't have any body armor? I mean, it's so, the excuses that people make, it's, it's like listening to an addict. Really, it is. It's like listening to a net. Well, I don't even get high anymore, or I, I, I'm not doing any more than I used to. I can really function. I can drive. Most people can't, but I can.
It's so denial. It's just such a, 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 a horrible, horrible situation. And every time it happens, now you're going to see a lie built on a lie, built on a lie, and everybody's going to accuse this one or that one of failing to do whatever when the, it's obviously a failure of our Congress. It is a failure of the Republican Party that they can't agree. They can't agree on some basic gun legislation. They can't agree on red flag laws, which may have, I don't know, I don't know. But I doubt it because this guy, he was bullied in school, okay? That was his deal. He was bullied in school and he couldn't wait to get guns on his 18th birthday so he could get revenge. Does that mean he was mentally ill? And if it does mean he was mentally ill, what, was, what, what had happened about his mental illness? Meaning, did his parents take him? Uh, did they know? Did they take him to uh, be assessed? Was there some sort of an order that said that this person should not have guns? Was it something that a court had heard and issued a, 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 a temporary restraint? No. So how in the world are you going to... And you know, already the, the only call that we got on this today so far... I don't even want to take it because the guy wants to know how how in the world does a guy like this get guns? Who I think you should hold the person who was who, who sold him the guns responsible. No, hold your Congress responsible. Hold the Republican Party responsible. All of this bloodshed in this country, all about lying to you, all about protecting an industry, a manufacturer, all about donor money, all about Listen, even, even, even what's-his-face over there, okay, from the National Rifle Association, he, he had to resign in shame after 30 years of lying, but not because of 30 years of lying, because the National, what, what is it, the National Rifle Association, the NRA, I don't know how many people realize this, is a 501c3. It is a not-for-profit organization. And so, therefore, there are some rules about how the money has to be dispersed. And he was stealing it. Wayne LaPierre. He was stealing money from a charity. From a charity. And now the same guy, same guy, the same, the same crime, okay? Stealing from a charity. Donald Trump's whole family, the Trump Family Foundation, adjudicated guilty, stole from his own charity. To the point where he, his daughter, his sons are not allowed to sit on the board of any charity because they can't be trusted with a 501c3. They can't be trusted to do the right thing with donor money to a charity. Wayne LaPierre too. I mean, how much of this are you gonna take? How, how, how much of a, 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 of a mark are you gonna be? This is the Randy Rhodes Show. To speak with Randy, dial 561-270-3844. That's 561-270-3844. Commissioner Barksdale, the, the news that we got tonight that the Texas Department of Public Safety says the school district police chief, the man who was in charge of everything that day, Chief Arredondo, as the incident commander, has not responded to its request for a follow-up interview. That request was made days ago. How can that happen? Well, it, it happens when you've screwed up. Hmm. It happens when you've let so many kids and teachers die because you did the wrong thing as the incident commander. 
you wanted to be incident commander, a lot of accountability comes with it. So I'm not surprised that he's now uh, become silent or uncooperative. I would guess based on my experience that he may have found a lawyer that told him to shut up and don't say anything. So it's, it's disturbing. It's not right. It's not fair to those that lost their lives or their families. We need answers. And I don't think we're going to get anything from him right now. We never did get anything from him. I mean, these these clips are clips from, uh, you know, 2022. These are clips. Uh, Anthony Barksdale, by the way, uh, is an amazing uh, person. He he was the former acting police commissioner for Baltimore and presided over a like a 20 percent drop in homicides in the city of Baltimore. They just brought him back. Um, I think he's the deputy now in charge of uh, the deputy mayor in charge of uh, policing in, in Baltimore. And what when he came back. When he came back, so did results in homicide reduction. So when it comes to homicide reduction and it comes to, uh, you know, less shooting, a guy like Anthony Barksdale is a good guy to listen to. A guy like Greg Abbott is a bad guy to listen to. A guy like Chief Arredondo is a terrible person to listen to. Okay, and so just as you sort through all this new information about something that we already understood to be a really disgusting lack of courage and planning and and, and, uh, law enforcement acumen in Uvalde. I just want you to understand that there are good people and bad people on this gun issue. There are people who will lie to your face over dead children literally over the bodies of dead children they will continue their lie in order to keep their support from people who have gun fetishes and from people who pay them uh to ignore the gun problem in this country and then there are good people there are people who obviously aren't interested in uh, you know taking your gun away or any they're just interested in common sense they're interested in in training people uh, who have to confront long guns who have to confront uh, high capacity magazines just so sad just so preventable and just so repetitive so repetitive over and over and over and then everyone comes out and they lie for uh from their own little uh, lying angle uh you know i mean uh, but the, the alex jones lie i mean that was just really um well you got to give him props for this it was creative very creative yeah, everything was a false flag. Dead kids weren't really dead. They were actors, you know. And the parents were liars, too. They were all actors. Everything was a big act. It was a play. It was, a, you know, a, a sour uh, script, but it was a play. And it was all designed so that uh, you would fight against guns. But it was designed by libs, libtards, you know. Oh, please. So vile. So, so disgusting. And Abbott was just, you know, trying to save his skin. Okay. Because remember, Beto was running against uh, Abbott when all this was going on. Do you remember that? I don't know if you remember that. But uh, Beto O'Rourke, you know, he was, uh, he was trying to tell you, he was trying to warn you, he was trying to explain it to you. He was trying to show you that, uh, you know, uh, they didn't give a damn about kids. They didn't give a damn about anything. They would lie about everything, everything and anything. Because he can't lose an election. And the people, and, it, and we're in the same uh, scenario now with regard to can't lose an election. I mean, the amount of, of garbage that, uh, you know, you got a rapist sitting in a courtroom 
I swear to God, you can't make this up. You got a rapist, a guy who a jury found liable for raping. A judge actually clearly said, yes, you can now say that Donald Trump is a rapist because a jury found that that is true. A jury found that to be true, that he raped E. Jean Carroll in a dressing room in Bergdorf Goodman in Manhattan and then proceeded to damage her reputation when she wrote it in a book many years later in 2019. She finally wrote it in a book and put it down on paper and went on a book tour and he decided to take away her reputation as a journalist. He called her a liar. He said it was fiction. She was making this up. He had never met her. She's a wacko. And, you know, she was on, this is why this became a case. She was on a book tour to promote a book, the book that had this piece of information in it about what she had gone through with Donald Trump in 2019. She wrote this book and she was booked onto Good Morning America. She was booked onto the Today Show. She was in the middle of a book tour. And when Donald Trump began to attack her as president of the United States, you know, and, uh, you know, same thing happened to Shea Moss, same thing happened to Ruby Freeman. I mean, people literally are, are th- Eric Swalwell, uh, Adam Kinzinger, you know, we played for you yesterday. They're answering machines, they're voicemails. I mean, it's just, it's, it's horrendous how far these people will go in threatening other people's lives to protect a rapist. But anyway, he, he actually called her all these things and she stopped getting booked on her book tour. Because people thought, oh, she's lost her credibility as a journalist. The president of the United States is saying he doesn't even know her. We can't book her on Good Morning America. We can't book her on the Today. I mean, you know, people in Appalachia and, you know, people in Trump country, they watch our shows too. And if we keep interviewing her after he has singled her out and said she's a liar, we'll lose viewers. And so they stopped booking her. And that's why she has damages. A lot of people don't even know that part of it. And then uh, yesterday, the reason why they're still in court on this, even though they've already, the jury had already brought him in, uh, you know, as being liable for raping her and liable for defaming her after she wrote in her book that he did that and causing her damages, right? And he still does it. He did it the day after that verdict came out. He went right back at it, called her a wacko, said he didn't know her. Seriously, did, did it all over again. And so she said, all right, I'm going to sue him again. He won't stop. And the question that the lawyers are asking the jury, and yes, this is a jury trial too. The question that the lawyers are asking the jury is how much do you think it will take to keep him quiet? How much will it take to shut him up? How much money does Donald Trump have to owe to E. Jean Carroll to finally shut the F up about her? Because $5 million, which is what she was awarded in the first uh, instance, that didn't shut him up. The next day he was out there. He was out there screaming about her all over again. So now they're saying maybe $100 million. Maybe $100 million will shut him up. The judge in this case, uh, Judge Kaplan, you know, he just tried the Sam uh, Bankman-Fried case, 
Okay, this is a guy, um, the Judge Kaplan is a federal district court judge. He is a judge who handles terrorism cases. He is a judge who handles, you know, massive fraud cases. He is a judge who handles, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of uh, Ponzi scheme cases, you know, uh, all really serious. St- and now he's sitting there in, in a case where, you know, he thought it would be a couple of days of, uh, you know, Eugene uh, e. would be on the stand. And they would uh, examine her. You know, her lawyers would ask her questions about, you know, what what did this uh, do to you? And, you know, and she's telling the story that she leaves her pit bull off the leash, that she has a gun that is in her bed. She's terrified. Uh, she doesn't go to some places that she used to be uh, free to go. She ha- has shown uh, the voice messages where... People are, are saying she's going to end up like, a, you know, a, a dead person. She, somebody sent her pictures of a brutally murdered woman, just uh, a brutally, you know, uh, like blown apart person and said, you're going to end up just like that. And he's still doing it. He's still defaming her. And then Ali, his, 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 his uh, you know, Kmart lawyer, you know, She's getting marked down every time she opens her mouth. She's going to be a blue light special, this girl. Alina Haba, she gets up, and the judge has to explain to her, uh, this thing that you're reading, you can't read. Why can't I read it? First of all, don't talk to me that way. Second off, you can't read it because it's not been admitted to evidence. Would you like to try to admit it into evidence before you read from a document that's not evidence in this case? Oh, okay, I'll try. She tries to get something. She doesn't know how. She doesn't know how to get a piece of evidence admitted in a court. Oh, my God. Mary had a little man. We believe that all men are created equal. The magnificent mosaic that is America. From radio beacon to radio beacon. I have a dream. Change has come to America. Believe me. Help is on the way. Knock, knock. Who's there? Hey. It's a figment of your imagination. Randy Roadshow. Turn up your mind. So he would rather have me miss the funeral or go to the funeral miss the trial. And that's a nasty man. He's a nasty judge. He's a Trump-hating guy. Oh, my God. And uh, it's obvious to everybody in the court. It's a disgrace, frankly, what's happening. It's Everything's a disgrace. A disgrace. Ty, as you've made clear, he doesn't need to be there, and there's no reason for him to be there at all, right? So being there is a show, uh, and, and there is no choice. He can go to the, the funeral. There's no impact. However, he's presenting it this way for a reason. The reason is he wants the judge to look biased. Oh, you'd give other people the day off if they needed to be here, uh, but not me. Will that work? No. I mean, it'll work probably for his political narratives and for his diehard fans who want to believe his fantasy about uh, this being a, um, you know, politically motivated uh, uh, judiciary and Justice Department and uh, federal courts. But uh, Judge Kaplan is, you know, held in high regard. He's a well-seasoned judge. He's handled many, many cases uh, that are a much heavier lift for a judge than this particular case. Um, he's handled terrorism cases, mob cases. He just handled the Sam Bankman Freed case. Um, you know, this is a very serious judge who believes that lawyers, you know, should understand that it's a privilege to be a lawyer and that they need to follow the rules and that their duty is, you know, to help things proceed honorably and uh, fairly and expeditiously. I think his frustration 
with Trump is um, uh, understandable. Uh, but I think he's actually probably equally, if not more frustrated with uh, Trump's lawyers uh, who uh, <laughs> Uh, did some shocking things in courtroom in the courtroom today. Well, his lawyer Alina Hava, she would violate all the rules, right? I mean, she wouldn't wouldn't stand up, and he's like, "This is a basic rule. You need to do that. These are the basic, the basic rules of decorum. Like, again and again, we're violated." That and responding to him at one point, saying, "I don't like to be talked to that way." Hmm. Plus, then she did a very you know sort of minor league job of trying to introduce some evidence, and you know the judge was very patient with her. He gave her you know sort of two recesses or two opportunities, tried oh. to guide her through it himself, you know, called a called a halt and, you know, took a break to, uh, with the hope that one of her colleagues could help her uh, figure out how to do what it was that she intended. Oh, my God. Uh, it was really sort of, you know, embarrassing. And uh, I, I think he's, you know, I think he, that's not that's not the type of lawyering that he's used to seeing. And I'm sure that frustrates him because he demands a lot of the lawyers that show up in his courtroom, not the least of which is respect and competence. Uh, you know, I guess Alina Haba is the Donald Trump of lawyers. She is so bad at it. Uh, we knew this the other day when she was, uh, you know, uh, being interviewed and she, she couldn't make a, her case at all with nobody opposing her. Uh, and so yesterday she's in a courtroom. She's trying to uh, cross-examine E. Jean Carroll uh, and she doesn't know how to do it. She has no idea uh, that she can't read from documents that were never admitted as evidence in this case, and that if she would like to read from these documents that were never admitted as evidence in this case, she has to admit them. And she didn't know how. The judge recessed twice, one time because she was uh, trying to uh, cross-examine her on a topic that hadn't come up under direct examination. And, you know, I mean, this is like, uh, this isn't even law school 101. This isn't even first-year law school stuff. And I know because I never went to law school. You know, my, my law degree is an honorary law degree. I didn't go. I didn't go for five seconds to law school. But I watched L.A. Law. I watched Allie McBeal. I watched the O.J. trial. And this is basic stuff. This is entry-level America knows this stuff kind of thing, right? There's nothing, uh, you know, hard about you can't just bring stuff up out of the clear blue. You know that when you're cross-examining somebody, you have to stick to what was the topic during the direct examination. You can't just, oh, well, uh, that's nice that you, uh, you, you didn't ask about uh, her when she was in elementary school. And I, I want, no, no. And you can't use documents that weren't admitted and you can't and he and he the judge kept telling her you can't read from that stop reading from it and she's like why why because it's not admitted as evidence that document i don't even know what that is that you're reading from oh well can i admit it as evidence <laughs> he's like recess He's, he told her, maybe somebody here can help you. Maybe somebody here can show you how you admit something into evidence. And then they went back into session. She still didn't know how to do it. And then he said to her, you know, I'm going to take another recess. And um, some, you're going to have to look it up or find out. Or maybe I can help you. I can help you. I can coach. But I'm telling you right now, you need to admit this. And you don't know how. You've got to. So they took another recess. Then they came back into the court. And uh, she, think, she thought she had it figured out. But the, the document, oh, God. And as somebody who's been sued, like, multiple times, okay, this is kind of how, uh, you know, you learn stuff, okay? You learn from watching the TV or you learn because it happened to you. 
all the exhibits, anything that's been entered into evidence is given a number, a marking, so that when you refer to it, everybody in the courtroom can refer to the same document. Everybody's on exactly this cliche, on the same page, because it's marked. She doesn't know this. How is this possible? She didn't know how to stand up when making an objection. She's making speaking objections, which we all know from the OJ. You can't make a speaking. You could just say objection. And the judge will ask you what your objection is. And you can say um, not relevant. or so, But she's like explaining. Well, you know, she's saying that. He's like, no speaking objections, okay? Because the jury can't hear that. It's so bizarre. It just is. But, you know, the underlying issue here is that America has to pick themselves a president. And of those people that are in contention, that are in contest for that uh, unbelievable position, like the most important position on planet Earth, one of them is a rapist. I mean, honestly, people, I, 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 don't, I don't know what the, the appeal is, except that, you know, you're being tested, okay? Either you're voting for Satan on purpose because you don't want to get your hands dirty and you want to, you know, just dismantle the entire United States of America. You know, you just want to take it apart piece by piece because you don't like the way it turned out or the way it's going or where it went or where it's going to go. I don't know. Or, or, and this is probably more likely, if you're a God-believing, if you're a Bible-reading, church-going, uh, you know, uh, sort of a Christian, you're being tested. I want you to know that. Truly. If you are willing to put somebody over your Lord and Savior and worship an idol, an orange one, that we've seen be crafted into a golden calf. Do you remember that one? Do you remember that, uh, you know, that idol that was uh, uh, made out of, uh, you know, uh, like a golden material and it was brought to one of uh, Trump's conventions? You mean the literal false idol? Yeah. And they worshipped it. They were like all about it. You're being tested. You are. You're being sorted right now. So if you're getting ready for the apocalypse, if that's your thing, if you're a prepper and all that, do not worship the golden idol. Do not worship. Because you will be sorted out. You will be taken out of contention. You will not be able to go to the... Pro you will not be lifted out of your shoes and taken to heaven when the rapture comes. You will not. Because you put somebody ahead, because you made an idol and you worshipped it, a graven image. No, I'm serious. I, 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 I'm done. I will say this, though. I don't believe he's going to win. Okay, I, I know people don't like it. Why am I saying that? It's going to tamp down. No. Here's the, here's, here's the caveat. He cannot win if we all, and by we all, I mean people of good conscience. I mean people who know what's up. People who know what time it is. People who know how bullcrappy this, this is. People who understand that he is a fraud, he is a rapist, he is a con man, he's a bad person, he doesn't care about anything except himself, and that he's only running for president to keep himself out of jail. Okay? If we all show up, he can't win. 
all things Randy at RandyRhodes.com. Go, go for launch. Speaking truth to power, the Randy Rhodes Show. Former President Trump is on notice. He could be kicked out of his second defamation trial if he keeps making disparaging side comments about E. Jean Carroll within earshot of the jury. As Carroll testified, Trump shattered her reputation and made her a target of his followers' violent threats. Trump muttered witch hunt and con job. He could be seen shaking his head or chuckling. Mr. Trump, I hope I don't have to consider excluding you from the trial, the judge said. I understand you're probably very eager for me to do that. Trump threw up his hands. I would love it. The judge responding, I know you would. You just can't control yourself. Carol is seeking at least $10 million in damages over comments Trump made after she publicly accused him of rape. Her attorneys playing these videos as examples. I have no idea who this woman is. I have absolutely no idea. The whole thing is ridiculous. I have absolutely no idea who this woman is. The verdict is a disgrace. An earlier trial found Trump liable for sexually assaulting and defaming Carol, but she said it keeps happening. He lied last month. He lied on Sunday. He lied yesterday. The jury also seeing recent messages to Carol from others, calling her a lying fraud, Mm. ugly as sin, Mm. and a disgusting disgrace to women. Carol said she's so afraid now she keeps a pit bull at home and a gun by her bed. Mm. On cross-examination, Trump's attorney questioned why you said you were afraid, but you never called the police, and why you've continued to publicize every lawsuit you've had against Donald Trump. After court, Trump cast himself as the victim. Yeah. So the answer to the question, uh, why, why in the world, uh, you know, is, is she suing Donald Trump and, and telling everybody on the TV about it? And she said, because I had a great victory because and as an 80 year old woman, I need for women who are now coming up and trying to be in the work world. I need them to know that they don't have to stay silent. That's why I had a magnificent victory. I'm an 80 year old woman and I kicked his ass. I mean, Alina Haba is the Donald Trump of attorneys. She is. She makes Rudy Giuliani look, uh, you know, really astute and uh, on the ball. Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, this is going on again today. And, uh, you know, he he couldn't be there because he said he had to go to his mother-in-law's funeral. Uh, And the way that he um, described his mother, that he had to go to his mother-in-law's funeral was like this. You know, we have more liquid gold and wealth under our feet than any other nation. We have more liquid gold, oil and gas, more (laughs) liquid gold. Well, I just met non-liquid gold. You know where it was? Iowa. It's called corn. They have, it's non-liquid. That's my day. You have more non-liquid gold. They said, what is that? I said, corn. They said, we love that idea. You know, that's a pretty cool thought, isn't it? We love that idea. That's a nickname in its own way, but we came up with a new word for a new couple of words for corn. We're also going to place strong protections to stop banks and regulators from trying to debank you from your, you know, your your political beliefs, what they do. They want to debank you and we're going to debank. Think of this. They want to take away your rights. They want to take away your country. The things you're doing, all electric cars, give me a break. If you want an electric car, good. But they don't go far. They're very expensive. Nikki Haley supported Rhino Paul Ryan's 2011 plan to destroy Medicare, the same plan that led the Democrat ads, which was a disastrous ad, showing Republicans wheeling granny off the cliff. Do you remember that? That was Paul Ryan throwing granny off the cliff. We're not doing that. We're not taking care of our grannies like that. 
And speaking of grannies, tomorrow mm -hmm. I have a funeral for the mother who was a great woman of Melania. God bless her. God bless lady. her, everybody. God bless her. Um, does anybody know what he was talking about there? Because I can't follow it. And, you know, for him to sit there and judge whether or not Joe Biden is, uh, you know, uh, with it, when this is the rambling nonsense uh, that he's spewing. And, you know, he, he left the court. He left the E. Jean Carroll court where he was almost kicked out, right? He was almost kicked out, but Judge Kaplan is not buying into The only reason why Donald Trump wants to get kicked out is so that he has some, some issue that he thinks he can bring up on appeal before he has to pay her $10 million now uh, or $5 million at least. It's already been adjudicated as, you know, being due in damages. But uh, he's trying to create some sort of a, a record for appeal, right, on the judge's behavior, because you can't look at the facts of the case on appeal. You can only look at the procedure, basically. That's, that's a very uh, large four corners explanation of it. But that's basically what uh, an appeal looks at. The procedure, was it free? Was it fair? Was it, you know, uh, did the judge err? You know, something like that. Did he give bad jury instructions? Or was he, you know... Uh, not willing to admit something into evidence that needed to be admitted into evidence, or was it Alina, uh, Alina Habba's fault? You know what I mean? So he's trying to create some sort of an appeal, uh, appealable issue. And that's why the judge says, I know you would love for me to kick you out. I know you would. Uh, but, you know, I'm not doing it because, uh, frankly, I, I, I'm, I'm used to scum like you. I'm a judge. I see lowlifes all the time. I see mob bosses all the time. I see fraudsters all the time. I see Ponzi scheme owners. I see, uh, you know, all kind. But what is he talking about? They're going to debank you from your political beliefs because of the banks using electric cars? What? Or liquid corn gold or something is spewing from his, I don't know. I don't care how much Kool-Aid you drank. Nonsensical word salad ramblings like that have got to concern you or at very least wish he would talk less and and then the, the whole idea about you know nikki haley and paul ryan are trying to get rid of obamacare didn't donald trump say during the 2015-16 cycle over and over again and even while he was the president of the united states repeal and replace didn't he wasn't that like part of uh, you know what he set out to do it was right up there with infrastructure week on the repetitive uh, you know cycle of things to say he kept on saying right over and over repeal and replace repeal and replace and then you know they had nothing to replace obamacare with they had nothing to replace the aca with and that's why john mccain remember he walked in and he gave it a thumbs down because there was no replacement plan at all and so finally after this whole thing came to uh, you know a vote in the senate John McCain, the tie-breaking vote, said, no, we're not repealing it because we have no replacement. You moron you. You forgot to replace it with something. So what do you want to do, pull the rug out of, uh, you know, 14 million people and give them nothing and just say, okay, now you're uninsured. You're a working person, but the place you work for doesn't give you health insurance, and so you're going to join the exchange, see if you get a subsidy to help you pay, but you're going to pay for your own health insurance. And that's a bad deal for Republicans. I, I, I just, I don't know. Anyway, he, he's a lunatic. So he left the court. He went to New Hampshire, campaigned in New Hampshire in that weird, bizarre way right there. And then, uh, you know, went back to Manhattan on his private plane. But he's on the side of the little guy. The little guy is suing him. The little, little guy has been suing him. The people who went to his university sued him for fraud. 
The people who gave to his charity sued him for fraud. The people who did business with him and didn't get paid are suing him for fraud. A woman who was raped by him sued him for sexual abuse and defamation. And she won. All these people won. But it appears that the Trump cult is waiting for a felony. All this civil stuff and all of these adjudications and all of this, uh, you know, these guilty uh, verdicts, not unless it's a felony. All in, connect. To speak to Randy, call 561-270-3844. 561-270-3844. Okay, so today there is a new poll, a Reuters Ipsos poll, that asks Americans if they would vote for Donald Trump if he was convicted of a felony. A felony. And let's look at that poll again showing that the overwhelming majority of Americans say they will not vote for Donald Trump if he is convicted. It actually, it suggests that, that everybody uh, not, you know, being, you know, uh, being John Madden, basically, and being, being predictors of what's going on, don't know what they're talking about. Right now in this Ipsos Reuters poll, again, 58% of Americans say they won't vote for Donald Trump if he's convicted of a felony. Okay, leave that up. Leave that up so I can, we can talk about it. So uh, obviously more Democrats than Republicans will not vote for Donald Trump if he's convicted of a felony. And that is probably because more Democrats will not vote for Donald Trump if he's not convicted of a felony because he's already been convicted of so much uh, damage, rape, fraud, stealing, cheating, bank fraud. Well, that's... We haven't, uh, but but the 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 documents, right? That those would be felt. Okay, so ninety one percent of Democrats will not vote for Donald Trump if he's convicted of a felony. Okay, that's like to a person. Who is the three percent of Democrats who would vote for Trump if he was convicted of a felony? Who are those three percent? What three percent? It says there. Oh, on the, yeah, at the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who exactly are those people? I'd love to meet them. Fascinating. <laughs> So they're like the good liars. You know what I mean? They're people that, uh, you know, troll the, the pollsters. They're people like, I'm eating dinner and you're calling me? Really? Okay, ask me the question. Would you vote for Donald Trump if he was convicted of a felony? Yes, yes, I would vote for him twice. Okay, thank I you. I feel like you just nailed it. Right, I mean, come on. But look, 58% of all Americans say no. 58% of all Americans say no. Now, Here's something that we need to come to Jesus about as a uh, as as a population, as as a bunch of Randy Rhodes listeners. Okay, as a bunch of people who uh, you know uh, respect truth and uh, you know the American way. That's not enough to guarantee that he loses. What? Sixty percent of Americans, almost fifty-eight percent of Americans, say they will not vote for Donald Trump if he's convicted of I don't know the documents, uh, you know, stealing the documents, taking the documents, uh, taking documents he wasn't entitled to take, lying about having them, any of those things, or you know, inciting an insurrection, or you know, doing nothing, dereliction of duty while the uh, you know Capitol was being attacked, while police officers uh, were being beaten. Oh, by the way, one of the, a Florida man. Now, you know how that story ends. If it begins with a Florida man, you know somebody just went to jail or ate somebody's face. Well, in this case, somebody went to jail. 
a Florida man who was a uh, proud boy on January 6th was just sent to jail for five years, for five years, uh, because he was one of the most violent of the insurrectionists. He beat police officers, a police officer that you really uh, don't hear much about, Federico uh, Ruiz. He beat him so badly that Ruiz uh, cannot be a police officer anymore and uh, took away his livelihood and all that. And another police officer, too. I mean, the, and, and what's really crazy about this story uh, regarding this, uh, this particular January 6th Florida man is that not only did he be, be, be police officers, but the, the, the crowd was so overwhelming to the police officers who were there that they literally, uh, they found a knife. You know, he had a knife on him in a sheath, right? And then he was wielding his knife. They took the knife from him. They maced him. And then they let him go. They let him go back into the crowd, and within like seven seconds, he attacked like six more police officers. It's crazy. Meanwhile, you know, if I'm at a protest and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, stop this or, or start that or end this war or whatever, I go to jail. <laughs> you know what I mean? But no, you could, anyway, so that happened. So if he's convicted of any of that, that would be felonies, right? And show this uh, thing again, because I'm not done talking about it. And so 58% of this uh, Reuters-Ipsos poll shows the response is no. But why isn't that enough to keep him out of the White House? Why isn't it? Because we have an electoral college. That's why. And all he has to do is not win the popular vote. He never does. Most Republicans won't ever, ever, and a lot of presidents never will either win the popular vote. I think Hillary did. She's not. Pre she never was president, right? Need 270 electoral college votes. That's what makes a president a president. So this is good, but it's not the whole ball game. 58% say if he's convicted of a felony, they will not vote for him. 3% of Democrats say yes, they will, and that's hysterical. That's a, an amazing number. Um, but here, 20% of all Americans don't know what they would do if Donald Trump was convicted of a felony, they don't know if they could vote for a felon to be the president of the United States, to get security briefings, to enforce the law, to take an oath that says that he will see that the laws are enforced, that he will actually enforce the laws. Oh, my God. The chief law enforcement officer of the United States of America, they don't know if they would vote for a felon to be that. I feel like they might just be too ashamed to admit to anybody that it doesn't matter, and yes, they'd vote for him. Just too ashamed. So you know what's really good here, though, is look at the independent number here, okay? So only 14% of independents who can be partisan, maybe they lean to the right, maybe they lean to the left, but for only 14% of independents said that they could or would vote for Donald Trump if he were convicted of a felony. That is how you build electoral college, uh, you know, numbers, independence. They always pick the president. Whether, whether we want to admit it or not, that's who picks the president. That's why they call them swing states. And who swings them? Well, definitely not cult members, you know, not GOP right-wing lunatic fringy people, and definitely not, uh, you know, people that are out there forgetting that, you know, uh, uh, that, that 1,200 people were murdered on October 7th. And that, you know, th something had to happen after, you know, uh, 1,200 people were murdered in cold blood by terrorists. So, you know, you have these very partisan, uh, you know, parts of our 
country, and that's all well and good. Everybody's entitled to be or think or what, and vote however they feel imbued in the case of the Republicans to vote. Uh, but the independents are going to pick the president. They always do. 55% of them say that they will not vote for Donald Trump if he's convicted of a felony, and only 14% of them said they would. And the don't know, the 30% number of independents who don't know what they would do, I think in this weird way I can sort of kind of, not excuse it, explain it. Independents are like show me people. Do you know what I mean? They don't just go along to get along. They don't join the crowd. They're not uh, able to be herded, you know, by, uh, you know, a cult leader. I think it depends on what felony he's convicted of for them. But let me just say this to you, independents. All the felonies that he's being accused of, all 91 indictments for felonies, none of them are excusable. None of them are explicable. None of them are in service to America or Americans. They were all in service to himself. Either he stole intel because he thought it was valuable or he just wanted to brag about it, which is disgusting, and he committed fraud. This is the Randy Rhodes Show. To speak with Randy, dial 561-270-3844. That's 561-270-3844. Oh, it's almost Friday, everybody. Ooh, ooh. Pamela in Virginia. Hey, Randy. How are you doing today? Hello. Hi. I am very excited to actually have an opportunity to speak with you. I've been listening for about four years. Oh, wow. And I started on my drive to and from work. Well, not to work, but from work. But I really appreciate what you do. Please keep doing it. And hopefully people will wake the blank up. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I'm going to say. Thanks. All right. Take care. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, you know, uh, I just want to, well, if you do uh, support the show, please support the show. Please do. Do it. Uh, go to randyroads.com and support the show. We have bills to pay. It's January. It's 2024. Got a whole new year ahead of us. I just, I, I wanted to play this for you. This is crazy weird. So everybody remember uh, the, uh, you know, brilliant heart surgeon Ben Carson who, because he was a brilliant heart surgeon, earned the right to be the director of housing and urban development? It's kind of schizophrenic, isn't it? I'm a brilliant surgeon. I separate twins that are conjoined by the heart or something, and then I retire and I endorse Trump and I become housing. Anyway, he, he resurfaced. He resurfaced. I don't know what made people reach out to him or if, 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 if Trump reached out to Ben and said, Ben, you need to go out there and you need to talk to, uh, you know, my African-American. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden on Fox News, Ben Carson shows up. He shows up and he decides to say that Donald Trump is like, I'll just play it for you. Well, you know, you, you, you think. And uh, King David, uh, most of those people probably, if they were alive back in those days, would have said, oh, what a horrible guy. You know, the episode with Bathsheba and some of the other right. things that he did. And yet he was a man after God's own heart. God uses different people for <gasps> different times. You need somebody with a Manhattan business type of uh, personality to deal with the administrative state. 
When he's not being attacked, he's a wonderful person. Everybody, I think, would love him. For the record, you're comparing him to King David, and, and that worked out well. There's another King David, right? I don't know about him king, uh, but uh, certainly he has some policies that are very worthwhile. Oh, my God. David. He's comparing him to maybe David Koresh, not King David of the of of the Israeli Bible, you know, I, because why he had an affair with Bathsheba and and Carson thinks that he's an adulterer, but other than that, he's just you know being used by God. You know, I'm telling you, these uber Christians like Ben Carson, these people that want to make these uh, you know uh, sort of proclamations that God is using the orange Jesus uh, as his uh, own personal son. Uh, you're being tested. I hope you understand that. I hope you are in, in, in agreement with what is going on when Ben Carson compares Donald Trump to King David of the Bible. Are you kidding me? Well, he's not a king. Um, but, you know, he is, uh, he's, he's a David. Yeah, David Koresh, you know, a cult leader. That's kind of what's going on. And where did Donald Trump kick off his, uh, you know, reelect campaign? Does anybody even remember? Or, I mean, he's so exhausting, I admit. He, he's a very exhausting human being, okay? But he kicked it off in Waco, David Koresh's Waco, Texas, to sort of send the message, I am the new cult leader, I am the new uh, Messiah. And yes, people will get hurt, but I know what I'm doing. I mean, I don't know. But what, 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 who, who thought to reach out to uh, uh, Ben Carson and book him on the Fox News? All right, so the only uh, leftover business for today, I mean, there's so much today. There was just so much, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, the Uvalde report came out. And Merrick Garland, uh, you know, got on the TV and, and started explaining what is in these 575 pages that the DOJ put together for the benefit of the families in Uvalde who were lied to and abused so badly. But uh, the other things that, that, that are going on today, the Senate, you know, tomorrow is like a drop dead day for funding the government. You know that, right? So today the Senate passed the budget for the uh, uh, for. for not for the year. <laughs> that would be, uh, that would be uh, you know, real governing. They don't know how to do that. Until the fall. Until the fall. Meaning they don't want the government to shut down ahead of the election, right? And so they have this, uh, you know, stopgap spending bill, stopgap funding. It's like $1.66 trillion, $1.6 trillion. Uh, 77 to 18 was the vote in the Senate. Now it goes to the House. The House in Washington, D.C., they want to leave. They want to go home. For two reasons. It's Thursday, and two, there's a big snowstorm headed their way, and they don't want to get stuck in D.C. Uh, over the weekend. So the House has, has yet to take it up, but, the you know, remember, uh, new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, who's in his third month as Speaker, is saying, 
I want 12 separate appropriations bills. We don't want to vote for omnibus bills anymore. We don't want to package them all up and then have an up or down vote on all of the agencies, on all of the funding for the FAA, for the FDA, for the, you know, EPA, you know, we, the FBI, the DOJ. We don't want to do that. Well, too bad for him. Time ran out. Time ran out. And so they have to vote for the rest of the government spending that they didn't vote for when they kicked the can down the road a couple of weeks ago, right? And so the Senate voted to pass this uh, 1.6 stopgap that will get us through to the fall. But now the House has to vote, and they, they'll vote tonight, I guess. But they want to get the hell out of Dodge because uh, a snowstorm's coming, and they can't possibly be stuck doing their jobs over, you know, a, a Friday, that would be bad. So there's that. And then the other thing is the uh, Senate is in a bipartisan fashion is working on an immigration reform package. It's big. It's a big reform package. It's, it, it does a lot of different things uh, to fund uh, border, uh, the border issue, to get judges down there, to hear asylum claims. It changes the asylum laws. It, and it's got bipartisan support. Go figure. But it does change the asylum laws. It raises the threshold for, uh, you know, claiming or, you know, being able to claim that you have a justiciable, you know, something that could be uh, decided by a court, an issue that would give you asylum status in the United States. They want to raise the threshold, meaning you can't say it's economic. Okay, you can't say that you're so poor you can't feed your kids. Uh, now you have to actually be able to show that if you went back to your home country, you would be killed or jailed for something you didn't do, you know, by a dictator. So that's on the table, right? Um, there's a lot of things in this, um, in this immigration bill that could never, ever get Democrats to vote for it, ever. And so this is a once-in-a-lifetime, well, it's a once-in-a-30-year opportunity for the House to vote with the Senate and get comprehensive immigration reform. Problem is, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I swear to God, and why does she matter? Well, she matters because, remember, they only have a one-vote requirement to vacate the speakership, remember? Just one person can vacate the speakership, can, can you know, throw the House into complete and utter disarray. And she said that if the, the immigration bill uh, is in exchange for money for Ukraine, who is running out of ammunition, a democracy in the middle of Europe that is about to join the European Union cannot get support from some freedom crackers who don't believe in freedom and don't believe in democracy. And the reason why is because Donald Trump is literally the invisible hand here. Donald Trump is the black hand. Donald Trump is moving this whole discussion. And Donald Trump doesn't want to see a penny go to Ukraine because Putin gets Ukraine, period. The president actually uh, just got off the phone with me right before the show. Really? And he said he has spoken to you about this deal and that he is against it. And he urged you to be against this deal. He was extremely, President Trump was extremely adamant about that. Um, your reaction to that, given the fact that, look, he already, he knows how to do this enforcement stuff. You don't need some new bill coming out of the, uh, the Senate to get the border enforced. 
Oh, my God. Yeah, President Trump is not wrong. He and I have been talking about this um, uh, pretty frequently. I talked to him uh, night before last about the same subject. We don't have the text of whatever the Senate has cooked up yet. And, and so we have to reserve judgment, I think, to see what comes out of it. Donald Trump, who's on trial for damages as a rapist, is calling the new Speaker of the House and Laura Ingram, who apparently hasn't learned her lesson, to keep Ukraine from getting any money? 